The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. Open the pod bay doors. I'm sorry, Dan. I'm afraid I can't do that. What's the most you ever lost in the mountains? Go ahead. Make my day. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to Black Hole Cinema. I'm Tony Black, back again for the second week running to host. And uh, joining me today is, uh, in his return appearance after uh, our summer break, uh, Mr. Leslie Byron Pitt. Hello, how you doing? You right? Pretty good, mate. Pretty good, yeah. It's uh, good to have you back. And uh, joining us tonight is a brand new Black Hole Cinema contributor and first ever podcaster. So this is quite a... A momentous moment for us and for him. It's, it's Kane Richards. Hello. Hello. How are you doing? All good, mate. All good. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. All right. Absolute pleasure. Absolute pleasure. We today are going to um, pick through the standard movie news. We're back to the actual like schedule now. So last week, even though it was our special summer episode, that was just a one-off schedule. Back, we're back to how we do things normally now. So we'll start off with a bit of news. We'll go into our, one of our first two films then, which, uh, which today are Legend and Maze Runner, The Scorch Trials. Although I think there's a sp- suspicious lack of mazes in the second one. So it should just be called Runner, because <laughs> there's, there's just a lot of running. And then we'll pick over the UK and the US box office, because normally we do the UK box office, but I'm thinking that's a bit like, that's not really seeing the whole picture. So I thought, let's let's do both. And it turns out they're very different. And then we'll do another of our two films, and then we'll finish with a little chat about um, a certain actor who is very prominent this week, but we'll get to that later. So let's kick off with a bit of movie news. Don't know why I did that voice. That was like an introductory podcast <laughs> voice. It's not working. I'm just I'm trying to hard. Uh, <laughs> Kane, do you want to kick us off? What's your what's your movie news of the week? Uh, my news is the potential King Kong versus Godzilla film. Basically, Legendary Pictures they had the rights for a King Kong film, and they've moved the rights from Universal to Warner Brothers in order to make a, a shared universe between. King Kong and Godzilla, so hopefully we could see a King Kong versus Godzilla film in the future. Is that is that live action or? Animated? Yeah, live action. Yeah, it'll be the it'll be the same Godzilla from uh, the 2014 film. Oh, right. Okay. Versus a brand new uh, King Kong. Because Gareth Edwards is doing the sequel, isn't he? To yeah. Godzilla. So it's the theory that he'll come back and. Uh, it's not official yet. It's just kind of heavily rumored. Basically, there'll be a. I think in 2017 there'll be a King Kong film, and then there'll be the year after there'll be Godzilla 2, and then after that there's plans to do King Kong versus Godzilla. Right. So we got another so-called shared universe, so to yeah. speak. <laughs> you sound so happyless. Ah, <laughs> oh, my biggest bugbear at this moment in time is just brand awareness and the the idea about it i don't really particularly mind if there was going to be a king kong uh, a return of king kong or skull island or anything else like that i liked what peter jackson did before um yes. in 2005 and you know, obviously as a as a fan of film i, I enjoyed um, it's been a long time ago but i enjoyed obviously the 1933 version there's been so many king kongs there's been so many godzillas but what I'm what I'm finding really frustrating and, what, and what's really annoying is 
studios finding things that people kind of remember and know and going, yeah, well, we'll just mash it together and see what happens. I know it's more of a rumour more than anything else, and it could be good. I mean, it could no. be, but I think we're really screaming out for something. Well, I'm really screaming out for something original. I don't know what any, how anyone else feels. I feel that most people are actually quite happy with brands and you know franchises and 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 the like otherwise they wouldn't they wouldn't be making money whereas everything i kind of want to watch um or everything i kind of like doesn't make money so um, (laughs) i don't know i think it's it'll be interesting to see what happens and it'll be interesting to see if if it does come into fruition and someone like weta take Mm. over the whole of um the effects and everything but yeah I don't know. I'm not holding my breath too much for this. Well, personally, I'd like to see it happen because I think, I think cinematically it could be amazing. But I, I do know where you're coming from. I mean, I would like to see a lot more original things because Hollywood now it just seems like they're going back to past franchises, doesn't it? Mm. I, I don't know. I just I like the idea of the scale. Yeah. If you can get Samus, uh, Samus Garvey in or, or someone like that to, to shoot it, to shoot it, be quite cool and um, quite interesting. But in all honesty, I'm just thinking what will, what will probably has to happen is just you'll have all these humans running around, not saying very much interesting thing, and it'll be about three hours long. But because of all the CGI, you're only going to get half an hour of each monster yeah uh, it's gonna be a little, you know, that's my <laughs> that's my big issue but um i'm cautiously optimistic i'd say i think you know that toho have a uh, history with godzilla of, of having him fight all kinds of different monsters and things like that so if they could if they could replicate it you know in hollywood along similar lines and, and maybe completely know how silly it is and not take it too seriously because Godzilla took itself a bit too seriously sometimes you know the new yeah. one I think if it does that I think it could be it could be really could be a lot of fun really if you put these these two iconic monsters together so well yeah. I think it'll just be a just a cinematic spectacle really that's all yeah. Um... yeah we'll see what happens I guess with that that's interesting Les what about you what's your what's your news this week I decided to pick a trailer I'm not sure if anyone's seen it. I think it's just... It has really cut out over the weekend. Um, and it's um, the trailer Hardcore, starring Shelto Copley. I'm not sure if you, any of you guys remember, uh, or if you guys are on social media or whatnot. I think, Kane, you're on Twitter. Yeah. And, um, I, and Tony, obviously, I've, I've got you on, on FaceSpace and, and Twitter as well. But mm. a cub, about a year ago, maybe a little bit longer, there was a... a a music video that came out and it was all shot in the first person if you remember it and it just had the usually it was kind of if you found the link it was of this girl scantily clad and you just saw a bikini but she's not really in it that long but it's, it was just a massive fight that kind of went all across the thing but it was all from via perspective of the first person so you couldn't see the person that was the so-called protagonist but he would just fight and do the music video and there was like a, a matter transporter that he was fighting for it was very strange mm. and then obviously something like that happens everyone it goes viral and then someone goes you should make a movie out of something like this so I, I had a quick look to see what was going on and hardcore is the name of the t- uh, the name of the movie i think it got a trailer uh, um tiff which is going on currently now um so it's on youtube basically it's weird. It's very strange. It's a little like the film Maniac, 
um, the remake Maniac with um, Elijah Wood, where you don't actually see the hero's face throughout. So it's going to be all throughout like that. Um, and it goes all over the place. Lots of jumping off stuff so you can see the depth and going up and down and everything else like that. And Shalto Copley just turns up for no apparent reason, it seems. It seems to be very sort of no rhyme or reason to it other than it's going to be crank, but shot like if you're playing Doom. Uh, <laughs> that actually uh, sounds quite good. <laughs> <laughs> so... It's what it's it's bizarre. They they are trying to sell it as if this film has never been made before, even though I know I've just mentioned Maniac. Um, you can kind of take <laughs> the first the first um, eight minutes of Strange Days was um, uh, um, was Catherine Bigelow's, uh, film. Catherine Bigelow's Strange yeah. Days, yeah, um, and also um, I think it's Who Dares Wins, an old seventies film, oh, yeah. a little bit hawkish. Um, but once again, you know, there's so many films that have done the whole down the barrel of a gun sort of thing. I think they're just trying to extend it and make it more extreme for the millennial crowd. It looks to be quite interesting. I do urge you to kind of check it out just for the fact that it's something that hasn't been done in this way before as an, as an action movie. All the fight sequences in it seem to be real people. So it seems like it was a lot of timing <laughs> it had to be taken and nothing cuts away everyone, everyone kind of drops down and everything so th- there is that sort of thing to it um, and I think it will be worth it to see if um, you can watch it on the biggest screen possible and you know get vertigo from the amount of sheer yeah. drops that happened from it but um, I, that was my you know my little bit of um, so called news I've kind of um, not really been following the news at the moment There is there's a lot of just comic booky stuff and remakey stuff, and yeah. you know, just kind of waiting for the right, um, the right thing to grab me. And that was just a, an interesting tidbit. No, that is interesting. You do have to dig a little bit, I think, these days to find a, an interesting piece of news. You know, Kane, you've achieved it this week. Les, you've found one. Right. Um, but a lot of it is, yeah, it is. Which you know, f- tiny frame of Wonder Woman before it's been filmed. Can we show you today? It's you know, it's that kind of. <laughs> That kind of thing. It does get a bit wearing. So I'm going to go completely the other way from, you know, popular culture and, you know, something massively in the news and talk about James Bond. My bit of news is one that everyone will know about, to be fair, that Sam Smith is recording the new James Bond theme for Spectre, which is out in about six weeks. And the, the song we're getting on the 25th of September, I believe, and it's called The Writings on the Wall. I think that's possibly an allusion to the, the trailer where the, James Bond's name is written in blood on a wall of, of fallen heroes. So I assume there's, there's a link in terms of the film. Mm. I confess I had to actually go on Twitter and, and ask who Sam Smith was and if I should <laughs> like him. <laughs> I'm that out of touch with popular music. <laughs> I did see that and I laughed a lot because even though I know who he is, I, I think I've heard one song once. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm I'm exactly the same. Well, <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm no I'm not a fan at all, but I think he's quite big in today's pop charts. I think uh I think he's a Grammy winner even. Is he? I'm right. Yeah, I think so. Well, well yeah, he's he's definitely he's definitely a well-known name and as as I said to my uh, my girlfriend, I said, you know, he will like Adele was, you know, Skyfall went to number 1 in the yeah. charts. This will without question go to number 1. You know, it will make well, a fortune and she won an Oscar for that, didn't she as well? She did. 
She did, and I mean, I thought Skyfall was a was a really good song. Anyway, it was a it was yeah. a really good James Bond theme. But but I, but I liked Adele beforehand. You know, she has her detractors, yeah. but I I've always quite liked Adele. I think she's really good. But I I'm going into this completely completely clueless and based on based on the Twitter question. I had about ten responses, half of which were he's brilliant, and half <laughs> of which were fucking dickhead. Basically, <laughs> it was just like. <laughs> I don't know what to believe. Oh, that's the best thing about social networks now. You know, you can, you can't have middlemen at all. You have to have one extreme or the other. So who knows? Who knows what to believe? Since we're talking this, I've got to ask you the question: favorite James Bond theme? Since we're here, Kane, have you got one? What was the uh, Casino Royale one? You know my name. Yeah, yeah, that was it, definitely. Chris Cornell. That's a that's a really good one. I was speaking about that to, to my boss actually only the other day. We were talking about Bond themes. That's a good one. Yeah, proper rock. Yeah, raw kind of one. <laughs> Les, I would go with, and I don't think it's usually a favourite, but I really like. Nobody does it better, but only when it's sung by Radiohead. <laughs> 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 they did a live, they did a live version of it, and it's fantastic. I haven't I, heard that. I've got to seek that out now. Yeah, it's 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 really. It's, I really enjoy that. If not, I would probably go with. Um, Tina Turner's Goldeneye. That's a great one. That is a great one. In fact, oh, can yeah. I change mine? Sorry. You can absolutely Just, change. Yeah, <laughs> <the, the>, uh, <laughs> Diamonds Are Forever. That's a good that's one. Good. Yeah. Can't beat a bit of Bassy, can you? No. Um, that's really good. I mean, most of them are really good. I, yeah. My favourite is A View to a Kill, because I mean that gets really slagged off by a lot of people, but for me. It's just pure 80s brilliance by Duran yeah. Duran. And I think my second one would be Live and Let Die by McCartney and Wings, which is just awesome still. That is a good one, and I should have chose that, but I'm going to stick with what I have. Well, so. Live, and Let Die and, <laughs> Live and Let Die is usually the, the most popular one, I think. Most people yeah. tend to say that one. But no, good choices, gents. I, I, I definitely approve. Right, okay, well, that's, that's the news. That's the news this week. That's all that's been happening at all. In our world, anyway. We're going to move uh, straight on to uh, our first film to be discussing this week, to be dissecting. And uh, we're going to talk the new film by Brian Helgeland, uh, Legend, which is about the Cray brothers in 1960s London, starring, of course, Tom Hardy. Here's a clip. Hello. Did I miss anything important? No, just me. That. That is important. Is it? Very important. Thank you. Thank you. So I had um, your brother who was telling me that you uh, were going to college uh, to, to study to be a secretary. Is that right? Yeah, anything to get out of the East End. Not so bad at the East End. Just got bigger dreams than pushing a pram or having with the butcher. <laughs> Just don't quite know what they are yet. Well, the East End's not that bad. The centre of the earth begin where you like. Even here? Yeah, even here. In Bethnal Green? Yeah, Bethnal Green. Do you like being a gangster? I'm not a gangster. I'm a club owner. <laughs> I like the money and I like the respect of being a club owner. I'm not a gangster. So yeah, I, I actually haven't seen Legend. I, I didn't get a chance this weekend. I hope to rectify that 
um, soon. So you guys both have Kane first. What did you what did you make of this one? I really liked it. I thought um, Tom Hardy's performance was just amazing. He was two, uh, two spectacular performances as both uh, Cray twins. But I think, although like he did power the film, I think it was let down a little bit by a weak story because it's it's basically the legacy of the Crays, but through the viewpoint of uh, Reggie's wife, not just kind of just showing how showing their rise and fall, which I think it should have just done. I really did enjoy it, but I think it didn't reach its full potential. So it's it's told through the perspective of Emily Browning's character. Is that right? Yeah. I didn't know that. I, 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 I didn't know that. So is she, is, it, is she pretty much in every scene? Is that how it works? Uh, no, no, no. She she kind of, like, narrates. Oh, I see. So we'll, they'll show her, like, so she starts off happy, and then she can't get used to, you know, living with a gangster, basically. And it kind of just goes on from there. And then she, she'll narrate, like, key moments of their criminal rise. But I think they kind of... Those scenes... They were too quick. I, I think I think they should have focused on them a bit more instead of kind of focusing on Aaron Reggie's relationship. It's because it, it's been getting mixed reviews in yeah. general, hasn't it? How about you, Les? What did you think? I really like the performances from um, from Hardy. I think it really does drive it drive the film a lot yeah. you know I think it's really important when you if you get on board with him, then it's it's not too much of an issue. I had a massive issue with most of the rest of the film I thought it was really Goodfellas light um, you can even see that um, Helgeland is, um, is trying to kind of mimic certain aspects of, of Goodfellas there obviously with through the narration which I found really shoddy and, and tells too much of the story as opposed to letting the camera do the work yeah. I didn't appreciate him trying to do a sort of Goodfellas first date thing as well with the long tracking shot camera type stuff it just seemed to be kind of mimicry as opposed to trying to find its own um, its own kind of motifs and own and own, own style so to speak it was very much an American trying to have a look at what makes the British British there's some awkward rhythms to the story that I found with it all the time I just felt it went on for so long it just you know, as Kane was saying you know it would be better as a rise and fall but even scenes themselves are supposed to rise and dip and and raise intention and I just didn't find that to to be true of the film at all I just found myself waiting to see when was the next funny thing Ronnie might say no. I think the dynamics between the character um, between both the the brothers their mum, which is you know, so usually you know, in the cray in the nineteen ninety um, film, the craze, no. that's kind of like the big, big thing that, that you know they they go home to mum. Um, yes. If you read up the history history of the craze, that they they you know they left national service to get back, and they were back home in time for tea. That was you know it was a whole no. big British thing, and the mum sort of kind of pops up halfway through, and she's hardly in the film, and. I just think the the dynamics of some of the characters were just badly put together, and I think um, Browning's kind of left high and dry with the with the material. I think she really needed a little bit more direction to see where things go. She's not the best actress anyway, is she? No. Really? I mean, she's when I saw her, her, I was a bit surprised. I thought they might have got someone a little bit stronger to play such a linchpin character, really. I don't think it's her fault though. I just, maybe it's because I, I'm being I'm being soft. I I, I found her in films that I don't particularly like. 
Sucker Punch, Sleeping Beauty, films like that. But I, I you know, I've always got, I, I'm always happy for her to go and, 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 and do, do these films because at least she's trying to do something interesting. But I just find that there's something lacking about performance, but I don't think it's of her. I think she has a very sort of, her uh, Cockney accent's a bit like this, isn't it? <laughs> just a bit kind of, it's just a bit kind of, you know, it's someone who's not from England doing the accent. Mm. So you can kind of tell. And then obviously she's trying to, f- she's feeding through the narration and it just no. doesn't sound right. It doesn't sound right at all. But then also it's narration. And when narration doesn't sound right, it, it's the most annoying thing in the world. It's one of, you know, it's one of these films on where at one point it's mentioned that, um, Ronnie doesn't trust the character, Davis Fulis's character, um, Leslie Payne. Yeah. And instead of us getting a, a proper shot of him, us seeing him not trust him, yeah. you've just got Emily Browning going, well, Ro- Ronnie didn't really like him. He doesn't really trust Le- Leslie Payne. He didn't like him. And I was like, well, I'm watching the film. Why didn't the, why didn't the film tell me this? So I was kind of frustrated with how... It, kind of flitters in and out all the time and, yes. and and just doesn't you know push what is so interesting the, these characters i don't i didn't, didn't think the two really had any um both browning and hardy didn't really have any chemistry together and i think one of the reasons why it was far too interested in in other things it kept jumping from from bit to bit there was a lot going on in the it, there was a, it was just over egged there was a lot going on in it no. and i don't think it finishes it all correctly uh, as well you know you've seen someone like chris reckleson turn up and he's hardly in it paul bettany yeah. turns up. he should have uh, definitely been in it more i think obviously cops versus robbers you know police versus gangsters that's a big it's a big story that should be a big storyline but it wasn't really was it no i, I just I, I'm, I'm making it sound wor- actually worse than it actually is, but I just remember being really excited to go into go to the cinema because I haven't been for a little while. Yeah. I just came out a little bit more frustrated because all I really got was a a decent performance, something to kind of push Hardy to get other decent roles where everyone else is kind of pushed towards the edge, which is a bit of a shame. Even though the story, the overall story disappointed me, the performances I did that I did, really enjoyed Hardy's performances. I think. You know, I was amazed, basically. I think that powered the film, as I said, and made it more than watchable. So I think it was definitely the heart of the film, these performances. Uh, the thing I really liked about Hardy's performance, if anything, was the fact that it really does feel like he's playing two different people. Yeah. Like, even the way that they the way that they speak and pronounce, and pronounce the, the words and everything are so different their poises are different you if you look at them you can see how ronnie kind of stands out he doesn't he doesn't stand right if that makes sense he he, nah. he looks awkward all the time whereas um you know uh, reggie has this fantastic kind of cocksure swagger about him and those things i really like and i could really pull pull it out i mean this is you know it's tom hardy this is someone who he really does seem to find something in the, his characters and really pull them out. I mean, from Bronson to Bane, he does, yeah. you know, he, he seems to do something really interesting and he has this formidable presence about him. But it just really annoys me when I'm looking at a film and seeing, is that Paul Bettany? And, oh, he's... Oh, he's oh yeah, it was yes. about a 20-minute cameo, was it? Yeah. It's no, just... Sorry, 20-second cameo. <laughs> 20, mm. 20 seconds, if, mm. if, if that. And you just get the feeling that 
there's stuff left on the cutting room floor and yeah. it never really despite when it does get a little bit brutal when it does get a little bit um, darkly humorous yeah. it never really hits home i just remember leaving and going oh, well i'd rather just go home and watch lockstock again i know it's not a true story but at least the character you know at least i'm gonna have a bit more of a laugh or even more watch like hangelin's like um previously written films because i i didn't think this was particularly well written yeah. um you know this is a guy that you know wrote la confidential yeah. and mystic river so well, well i was going to ask about this because obviously yeah he's written some oscar winning films and he's he's been involved in some really big blockbusters and he's not direct he's only this is only his fifth film he's directed and the one the one i mainly remember him for was payback which was the late 90s take on um, Point Blank with John Borman's 1967 film about a revenge-seeking uh, gang- gangster like Hitman and it was it was very pulpy and, and Helgeland even did a director's cut of that in about seven years later to, to make it even more edgy so I remember that film and I remember liking that film a lot when I first saw it it's a good little flick um... well, it, it is but what my question really is is he does he bring that same kind of energy and is it or is it that case of all of his previous films, even the ones he's written, are very, very much American, and they're based around American, you know, life and, and crime. Is it is it that he doesn't really know how to do that from an English perspective? I don't know. I mean, he's been in and around England before with a, a couple of recent films, and I'm sure they they were they were written and they kind of flowed a lot better. You know, he did do a, a Night's Tale, which is you know mostly. Um, mostly american but obviously set in um, ye old england times and right. he's done things like um green zone which i actually think is really good um obviously you know he he wrote robin hood which you know, has its people who hate it but um i don't mind and i thought you know it was relatively good i think he he's he's done some interesting stuff but i think the energy only really comes from from hardy everything's really put into what Hardy Hardy does. Apart from that, you're really just going along the rails and just seeing facts kind of be really jumbled up and that's really all I kind of found from it. Yeah, that was the thing that kind of disappointed me because obviously the craze, the Britain's most iconic gangsters, so I was expecting Mm. kind of a little bit of a history lesson, but it didn't didn't really happen. It was just kind of a bit of flimsy narration over important things they meet up with um, the mafia from America like Maya Lansky's associates and they're only given like brief scenes yeah and kind of left thinking uh, well what's going on here then that could be expanded into a bit more I, I I fully agree I mean you're always expecting maybe one more scene or one maybe resolution and you know we shouldn't really always be looking for for resolution i guess but it just everything seems to be so incomplete even when it how it ends feels incomplete so would we would would you would we recommend then that we go and watch the craze then the 1990 film instead potentially i would turn around and say that i know that there's going to be a whole bunch of people that when this film comes out on DVD, and even though people don't buy DVD anymore or anything else like that, you're going to see a whole bunch of... Um, you're going to see it do quite well in the DVD um, charts, yeah. and it will be bought by people who are buying the likes of Rise of the Foot Soldier and all these mm. other Cockney Hardmen films, because there's still a market for them, and I say have at it. It's 
it's worth it for the performance but I can't see me ever watching it again in fact I will kind of try and, and, and look into picking up um, the uh, the 90s film and and having a look having a gander at that so I haven't seen the uh, 90s film but I think I'd give Legend another watch I did enjoy it that's one maybe to check out then but do it cautiously shall we say yeah. so Legend's out uh, right now on general release and it will be out obviously for a few weeks I should imagine right we're going to switch then we're just going to switch gears before we get to the next film and uh, talk, talk through the box office and as I said before today we're going to do it slightly differently and discuss in parallel the UK box office and the US box office because every week we try and do the, the box office and keep up to, on, up to date with what's doing well in Britain because we're obviously a British based podcast but it just seems a little bit like we're missing a trick not to cover the US because the US obviously gets films before we do quite often or sometimes at least anyway and it'll be interesting to see the trends of what's doing well over there as to what's doing well over here. So this is something we're going to try and uh, and do the comparison. Okay, so we're going to kick off then with uh, the UK box office. We'll go UK first and then US. So at number 10 this week, um, this is going by the box office figures for the weekend of the 4th to the 6th. Because unfortunately they don't release them until after we record um, the most recent weekend. But in the US it will be most recent weekend. So at number 10 for the for Britain is Hitman Agent 47 which uh, has made a total of one mi- nearly 2 million over a two week period it has dropped from like I think it was something like th- 3 <laughs> in, in, in one week it has dropped to 10 <laughs> as uh, as I did predict last week it's um, awful it is it's awful a load Hitman. Of, it's a load of pants so yes. that doesn't surprise me in the least at uh, number 10, conversely, in America, is um, Un Gallo con Muchos Rebos. Now, I'm guessing I've said that properly. That's <laughs> uh, Mexican. A Mexican, I, I researched this because I, I suspect we won't see this in Britain. Uh, it's a Mexican animated film about a chicken, I think. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. So it might be a chicken run for Mexico. I don't know. Um, That's what I've been. I've been told it has been called. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, yeah I, there, I saw but... a little bit. I saw a um, a brief a brief article basically kind of champing in it because it's completely like completely Mexican. It's really only for Mexican speaking audiences, and it came out on like a, 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 I think it was like only three hundred and sixty something screens. Yeah, it's, it's not and yeah, it made yeah. more than enough money to, to to show that the audience is interested in it. It was quite yeah. bizarre. It's made, yeah. it's made six million dollars, which isn't bad considering it's been on a fraction of screens, and it went in at number nine last week. It's it's so it's done quite well to get where it is, really. So fair play to it. But as I say, it's very unlikely. I think we'll see it over here. Mm. At number nine in England is The Man from Uncle, which is in its fourth week and has made nearly six million pounds, yeah. which is uh, which is great. I think The Man from Uncle is a load of fun, so I'm I'm very happy that's done. Okay. All right. I really liked it, but I don't think it's made a lot of money worldwide, has it? Don't know. I, I think in it's number eleven in in the US right now. It's made forty three million in America, which is not much at all. No. Um, that's the total gross over over five weeks. Mm. Um, I mean that's 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 piss water money over that's just nothing that's actually really really low which is a bit strange really because it's it may, maybe maybe it's just a little bit too anachronistic for people these days it's not superheroes or mindless action it's somewhere in between so it's got a bit more class 
I think yeah. it's a shame because I, I think it's it's really fun film. It's like mm. if there's not many uh, spy, f- well, not many films like it. It's quite you can have a really good time with it, but yeah, it's a shame that not not many people saw it really. That is a shame because it it means we'll probably won't get a sequel now, and that and it was teed up nicely for a for a, a fun sequel. So that's that's a shame potentially if that's the case. Right. And number nine in America anyway is um, a new entry called Ninety Minutes in Heaven which has made two million in its first week. And I researched this and it's about Hayden Christensen getting into a car accident, going to heaven, remembering heaven, and then coming back to life. Are you kidding me? No. <laughs> I, uh, I heard about that and I think it sounds a good premise, but not with Hayden Christensen. Not, no. And, if they had a decent actor as the lead role, then, then maybe I'd be interested. But Well, hang on, pause there for a minute, Kane, because it does also have Kate Bosworth. Okay. <laughs> oh, really punching heights here for the acting talents. But yeah, it's that's it sounds bonkers, really. I mean, but it could, yeah, quite a fun premise. But mm, whether we'll get that over here, I don't know. I haven't heard about a release over here for that, so we'll see. Didn't didn't open to many screens, so um, that I dare say will drop very quickly. In the UK, at number eight, anyway, is American Ultra, which uh, went straight in, in a new entry, which was, and he's only made £347,000, and that's just, we've got very mixed reviews, and it's basically, it made like £14 million in the US, so it's, it's a bomb, really, it's a, it's a box office bomb. I thought it was okay, I think, I think it tried to be funny, but I think that maybe uh, Jesse Eisenberg and Kristen Stewart weren't the right, the right cast, weren't mm. right weren't the right leads I think they couldn't like milk the, the funniness out of the scenes because they do find themselves in some quite daft situations but they could never really milk out the comedy they, yeah I've, I've heard things like this akin to this it, it seems like one of those premises where nobody quite knows what to make of it certainly for marketing purposes and things like that it seems a bit, yeah. a bit of a mad confusion really so a number eight in America anyway is um, the transporter refueled um, in its second week, it's made 13 million, which isn't particularly very much, but then that's just a silly, mindless action bit of nonsense without a big star either. So it's, you know, it's not really going to grab people particularly. And the word is it's not very good. So in the UK, it's the number seven, speaking of the transporter refueled, it's made 352,000 again on its first week of release. Um, so again, similar, similar story really hasn't done that much business. Whether it will be enough to get another sequel, who knows? Who cares? Um, <laughs> at uh, number seven in America is No Escape, which is the uh, on its third week of release has made twenty four million, which is the the one with Owen, Owen Wilson and Pierce Brosnan on a roof escaping an embassy or, or something like that. I think um, I don't know if you've seen this one or, or come across this one either of you. No, I haven't seen it. I have, I've heard about it. Yeah, it sounds uh, not great, but I could be very wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, I might give it a go, but it doesn't particularly interest me. Mm, it's, I've heard it's not too bad, but it's, yeah, it's not one of them that's just got one of those premises where you go, mm, mm, okay, maybe. I think the premise, because no, you've been hearing, uh, where was it, was it Turkey? Where is it where those, um, those, holiday, those people on holiday got attacked? Oh, yeah, I can't remember the country, but yeah. But I think I think like it's got a timely premise, but I think I don't know Owen Wilson in an action movie. Mm. I don't know. 
Oh, I don't know. That, I, haven't his days kind of gone from action movies from since... Um, what was that one? No One Left Behind? Behind or? Enemy Lines. That's the one. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. He's, just, he's a really odd choice, isn't he, for that role? Yeah. When I saw that, I was like, Owen Wilson, really? <laughs> you know, anyway. At number six in uh, England is uh, Pixels, which on f- at four weeks has made um, 7.5 million which uh, my co-host Dan Taylor will be horrified to, to learn because he thinks it's terrible. Uh, I, I haven't seen it. I can't bring myself to see it. Have either of you seen Pixels? No, I haven't. No, no, it looks rubbish. After, um, that, ten minute, after that 10 minute rant that, that first came out, I was just like, I really have to wait for it to come out on Netflix so I can watch it. There's no way I'm paying money to no, see that. Same. And number six in America is um, a big hit. Uh, straight out of Compton, which we will see on the uh, British list very soon. It's made 155 million in America alone, so that's a big, big hit. Yeah. I think it's not a surprise remotely at all that that's done well, and by the sound of it, it's very good. So um, it's uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that at some point. Yeah, you um, definitely should. Is it good? Did you like it? I did. Well, to be honest, I'm a bit biased because I'm a hip hop fan, and I've always loved <laughs> cool. it. Cool. Well, uh, yeah, I loved it. I had a great time with it. I probably see, I've seen it twice already. I oh, wicked! I've I've only seen it the once at the moment, but I really loved it. It was I watched it around the same time I watched um, Inside Out as well, so I was generally quite happy. Um, I found it really joyous. Yeah. I'm a bit of a hip hop fan myself, and yeah. it was just a massive music history lesson. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was a really really good one at that. But I I found once again the performances on there were, were kind of uncanny. Um, a little bit scary on how close to the real people those young guys were. It was mm. really good. And Easy in particular, he stole the show. He was definitely the best. Oh yeah, he the yeah. charisma on that guy was fantastic. Yeah. Surprisingly funny as well. Yeah, I keep hearing this definitely from a lot of people. So no, I am I am excited for that one. At number five uh, in Britain is Me and Earl and the Dying Girl, which. Uh, on its first week of release, made 431,000. A little bit of an indie film, uh, which has been getting fairly decent reviews, actually, but um, it's not one I think that is going to go and be a massively memorable one on the box office. Unlike at number five in America, which is Mission Impossible Rogue Nation, which has made 188 million um, domestically, that's obviously been a, quite a big hit now. I think it's up to about five, 600 million worldwide. So that's guaranteed number six before Tom Cruise gets too old to throw himself off buildings and hang onto planes and presumably mm. next time get on a rocket and eject into space, which is surely mm. the next thing he's going to do. At number four in um, the US is A Walk in the Woods, which is the uh, Bill Bryson biography with uh, Nick Nolte. Nick Nolte. As uh, Bill Bryson. Cause that's how he's sad. He's, one, he's become one of those actors where his voice has changed. As he's got older, he always had a fairly deep voice, but Nick Nolte really sounds like that now. Like Danny Glover's got a lisp as he's got older. Like Tom like, Waits. Yeah, yeah, he sounds like Tom Waits now. And it's it's weird. It's, I, suddenly I watched a film with him and I went, when did that happen? Uh, anyway, so Robert Redford's in that one as well. Um, I think we get that in a few weeks. So that's made 19 million. Um, one for the older set, really, but might be worth might be worth a watch. At... Number three in the UK is No Escape, which in its first week made 637,000. So that's not too bad, really. Uh, probably quite a light week for half-decent films. And number three in America was um, War Room, which has made nearly 40 million. That one got a bit of controversy because it, it was 
it was it was people were saying it was it was awful that it was a really really bad film have you heard about this is it the uh, religious one i think so yeah, i have heard about it but it's about an aunt it's about an aunt or, 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 and a family but i don't know much more about that but i heard it was really bad or that it was a bit controversial in some respects Oh God! But I don't know. I, 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 that's one to yeah. That's in its third week at the US anyway. We, we I don't know when we get that one, but um, yeah, we'll we'll hear more about that soon. Um, and number two at, in the UK is Inside Out, which is going nowhere fast. That's made thirty six million and it's wonderful. So that's great that it's yeah. done well. At number two in America is The Visit, um, the new M Night Shyamalan Ding Dong film, which has made twenty five million in the first week. I just watched that today, actually. Ah, well, um, we're going to review that next week, probably. But what in okay. little in broad strokes, well, what did you think, Kane? Did you like it? Yeah, I did actually. It was uh, it wasn't necessarily it wasn't a lot of horror, but it was definitely creepy. It was quite funny as well, actually. I had a good time with it. It was um, it wasn't bad like a lot of M Night's other recent well, films have been. I was going to say it can't be much worse than The Last Airbender or After Earth, which was no, shocking. But, yeah, but uh, it was it was decent. It's, it won't change your life watching it, but you could have a good time, definitely. Cool. That's out now, but we'll be getting to that probably next week, as I say. At number one in the UK, however, is Straight Outta Compton, which uh, is no surprise. That's made five million in its two, in two weeks, so that's doing quite well. I expect that'll be in the charts for a few weeks still, because it's been quite a sensation. Uh, and at number one in America, um, just proving to show that people will watch any old shit, is a film <laughs> called The Perfect Guy, which uh, has made $26 million, um in its first week. And I will just briefly describe the synopsis for you. After a painful breakup, successful lobbyist Leah Vaughan, Sana Lathan, who I do like, she's a good actress, jumps into a passionate relationship with a charming stranger, Michael Ely, when her ex-boyfriend, Maurice Chestnut, resurfaces in her life, she has to figure out who she should trust and who she should fear. It's And the poster has... She's got half a knockers out. What's that? Les immediately goes to IMDb. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, yeah, it's, um, it's really got quite a sort of lascivious poster. It does sound a little bit like cheesy sort of fatal attraction-y kind of, I don't know, kind of thing. Or or basic instinct, maybe. I don't know. But I haven't heard us getting a release for that. Um, no, that is... I'm looking at people who are in it, and I know for uh, just for a fact that what will happen is the perfect guy will come out on DVD here. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. There's just no... know it will. It won't... It will bypass any sort of cinematic yeah. thing here. They'll they'll read they really will believe no one will want to watch the perfect guy, even though there's clearly gonna be a market for this sort of thing. Well, true, true, there is. And the to be fair, the actors in it aren't are pretty good. I quite like them actually. But yeah, we will uh the, the title's misleading though, because that to me that sounds like a romantic comedy, a shitty romantic comedy with like Yeah it does. Sandra yeah. Bullock before she started doing decent things like Gravity. Um, so it's, it's weird. It's just through me. Um, what are you on about? Sandra Bullock was always doing decent things. Do you not remember Demolition Man? Well, okay, and Speed. <laughs> but then she did like <laughs> okay. Then but then she was doing like the proposal. Hey, these these Hollywood stars and their love of love of boats and extensions. <laughs> uh, didn't she win a Razzie for something recently as well? I think that was a Blind Side. I think she ran it for. 
Was Possibly. It? Uh, was it was it? the same year. I think she won an Oscar for something as well. I think it was the same year. I think, yeah, it probably would be the blind side too. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that was the uh, that was the box office anyway from um, the US and the UK. We'll um, be back having a look at uh, certainly the UK one next week um, and see how that falls. Moving on, we're going on to our second and final film of the uh, of the podcast, which is um, Maze Runner: The Scorch Trials, which is Wes Ball's. Um, sequel to the uh, first James Dashner adaptation simply called The Maze Runner uh, which involves a uh, dystopian future young adults and lots of running here's a clip from that film Thomas thank you for seeing me I'm sorry for the inconvenience I was just hoping we might get a moment to chat in private away from the others well I won't take up too much of your time. I really only have one question. What do you remember about Wicked? You're not in trouble. We're just having a conversation. I'm just trying to understand. Understand what? Which side are you on? The, uh, the, the Scorch Trials. Int- interestingly enough, when it, when it comes up, as the title, the title doesn't say Maze Runner, The Scorch Trials, it just says The Scorch Trials, which to be fair, is is fair enough, because there's no maze in this at all. Right? <laughs> there, is, there is no maze. The maze is done. The maze is gone. And this features the uh, the characters of Thomas and his ragtag group as they enter the Scorch. Kane, you've seen this, haven't you? What did you think? I thought it was just okay, really. I mean... It's just like the first one, really. Pretty much the exact same quality. I think the action scenes were really good. They were tense and they were well done. But I think it lacked personality as a whole. You know, no no characters had any charisma or anything. So when there was no action going on, it was kind of just the quiet character-driven moments. I didn't really kind of lost a bit of interest. But when, when, when shit was going down, that was when it was at its best, definitely. I could not agree more, quite frankly. <laughs> I think I think you're spot on, absolutely spot on. I just watched the Maze Runner okay. um, about a week ago, and I, I did. I, I was surprised though, and which I like that actually. I thought, yeah. you know, I, I've watched Insurgent, Divergent, or as Mark Kermode calls them, Suggestive Digestive, which I love. Um, <laughs> it's just, and they're they're just they're just just rubbish both of them yeah. and I was thinking oh here we go here's another one but no the Maze Runner was good because it had that air of mystery about it and you you were genuinely not sure where it was going to an extent and it had very much like the Lord of the Flies kind of vibe or with a little bit of Stand By Me in there and it was it, I enjoyed that I thought it I thought it was good even though it did have a horrible five ten minutes let's explain the whole thing to you at the very end with yeah. Patricia Clarkson but then this one immediately just loses any sense of, of interesting like world building or character building at all it's you know by by putting them just in a normal dystopian world which in a nutshell is there's a there was a solar flare which created a virus which has turned most of the population into not zombies but actually zombies lots of things that walk around going and hiding in old buildings that have collapsed in san francisco which has now become a desert and yeah stay with me on this uh, and then <laughs> and then you've got 
this group of evil scientists trying to find a cure by basically just doing evil things which I won't go into because that's a bit spoilery and then you've got other people out there like ragtag groups who are trying to exploit things for their own reasons and then you've got oh of course there's a resistance who are trying to it's just it's nothing new it's it's exactly the same kind of stuff you see in all of these dystopian kind of stories and films which is some really bland young people who are on a quest and the lead character is conflicted and has a, a, a troubled past and we're supposed to really give a shit about and he's incredibly boring yeah. he's Dylan O'Brien he looks the part yeah he, he does good running and there's, a, there's loads of running in this film if you say Bartle run for his money yeah he would yeah <laughs> he would because he's, all he does is run all he does is run ask people questions and look very pensive and yeah. you know troubled and that's all he does for the whole film and then it, and it, what, what was interesting was the rest all the characters there's, there's, a, there's some good some decent character actors in this you know Thomas Brody Sangster is one of the one of the kids he's a decent character actor who gets yeah. naffle to do you've got Patricia Clarkson who's only in like 10 minutes of it and she's great in everything really but she gets naffle to do you've got Aidan Gillen who's basically playing Littlefinger from yeah. Game of Thrones coming on with that Irish you know trust me I'm, I'm not I'm not evil trust me I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm your friend I'm your friend it's fine and, you know I did I said to my girlfriend I said if they really wanted us to, to, to believe that this guy is actually alright don't cast Littlefinger no. you know it's like why, why would you cast Aidan Gillen he's obviously going to be a bad guy yeah um, he was so, uh, he was obviously shady wasn't he yeah straight away you're like yeah don't trust him no. so you know, you, but then you've got all these characters who aren't particularly very interesting, doing a lot of running, and like you said, Kane, the action sequences are good. It looks very good. You yeah. know, production-wise, it's very nicely done. Wes Ball, the director, has a history of VFX, and you can see that. Yeah, the CGI was amazing. I think yeah, it looks really convincing. You know, the like the ruins, the ruined city, the um, post-apocalyptic city. I thought I thought the CGI the CGI yeah. impressed me definitely. Absolutely, and and you know the the vista of like San Francisco with the Golden Gate Bridge half buried under like sand. Very, why, really is, good. why is everything in San Francisco recently? Yeah, <laughs> Inside Out was there. Terminator Genesis was there, or Genesis, however you say it. Uh, well, there's there's been a few things in San Francisco recently, if you notice. Maybe they're just sick of Los Angeles getting trashed. No, no, it was the, the CGI looks good, and there's some good action sequences, you know. And when it when it's motoring on that sense, it's actually quite good. I thought the zombies were quite good as well. Yeah, they were. They were quite scary. It's a good. They bit. were scary, and this is a 12A, yeah. and it, it's very just a 12A. I yeah. mean, it, you know, it, it's the, there was some really quite the moments where you jump, you know, some yeah. quite horrible bits. So no, that was quite evocative. So visually, very good the odd decent action sequence although by the end it gets lost into a bit of a muddle of plotting and then the last final the final action sequence is just a little bit rubbish I'd, um, I'd say, uh, the second half the second half bored me a little bit I think yeah. there yeah. wasn't really enough going on no. and as and as we said before like the quieter moments it just oh. just a bit boring it just seemed to kind of drag on I think yeah. it was a bit it was over two hours wasn't it it was getting on for that, yeah, if not over, yeah, definitely. It, it was too long. Like Don't like it dragged. I think they just needed a, just some some dynamic characters, really. Some yeah. people you really cared about. Well, you know, if, if you think about Hunger Games, you know, Katniss, Everdeen, yeah. you know, I mean, Jennifer Lawrence is a great actress anyway, but Katniss is a really interesting 
you know, forward character. There's yeah. some interesting, decent characters around her. And without spoiling anything, they've basically nicked the Peter story in this, in some respects with this for the lead char- the lead actress, which is Kaya Skoladaro from Skins, who might as well not have turned up because she right. gets about five lines through the whole thing. And there's a there's a big thing at the end that hinges on her, and it is so you just go, oh, what? You know, and then you just you don't care at all. It's supposed oh. to be this big revelation moment, this big powerful sort of oh my god, jaw dropping, and you just go, oh, okay, really, oh. right, fine. It's given us something to do after ninety minutes, and it's it was just by the end, like you, I was bored. I was bored, yeah. and I was thinking, let's call it a day now. We, I've got the I've got the gist. I know where it's going. I know how it's going to end. I know what you're setting up. Let's just do, let's just get on with it. Let's let me go home. Let me put my feet up, and I'll see you in a year. Although to, to be honest, I didn't mind the last, the, the last, uh, the big shootout at the end. I didn't mind that bit. I had a bit. Of, it, it picked things up a little bit because, every, as we said, the last hour was slow, so that kind of got my attention back up. But in fairness, but I, Natalie Emmanuel did turn up at that point, so my that did get my attention. Yeah, um, but she didn't do too much, though, did she? Really? No, but she's there to look. Yeah, at, which is nice. <laughs> but. Like, <laughs> but um, but no, I know what you mean. It was yeah. There was a lot of people in this who don't get much to do. Nah. It was weird because there's quite a lot of characters, but nobody seems to get much to do. Well, there was loads of new characters from in, introduced in this one, wasn't there? Yeah, I, I didn't mind um, Gus from uh, Breaking Bad. He was uh, Howard, George. Jorge. Yeah, he was quite good. He was. Yeah. He was yeah, because yeah, he actually had a bit of oomph about him, didn't he? And a bit of yeah. spark. But he was. Yeah, it was. It'll be interesting. I've got them as I sit in my in my um, living room. I've got the books on my bookcase, and I haven't read them yet. I'm interested. I intend to read them and read the Death Cure, which is the one that's coming next year before the film, to yeah. see how the books deal with a lot of this. Because I, I uh, wonder if it... I've heard the, uh, the Scorch Trials. It's quite different from the Scorch Trials book. I've heard they made a few oh. big changes. Interesting. That'll be interesting to see. But yeah, I I'm with you. I think it was. It was a middling experience. I, I was I was disappointed, quite honestly, because I I was pleasantly surprised by the Maze Runner. I really had a good time with that, right. and with this, I was like, oh, it's just it's no, it's just watered down. I don't I don't I'm not that bothered. But I'll be I'll be back next year. Will you be back next year? Do you think? Yeah, yeah, definitely. It wasn't. Yeah. I didn't leave disappointed, but I left like, oh, okay. Yeah, there was enough there for me to see another one. But I'm not dying to see it. Right. No, I know what you mean. Les, do you think you'll bother? No? Now we've given it a glowing... <laughs> well, I stopped at the first one because I just oh, okay. found it quite... I found it quite generic. All these young adult things sort of come out. And I've got a friend of mine, and we kind of debate this stuff all the time. And one of the ba- one of the talks that came up was there was a an article a few months ago basically... Trying to not only bigging up young adult books, but just saying that I I read nothing but young adult books, and there was someone else saying that you know we need to as adults we need to kind of stop reading this stuff because you know what's what's what are we gaining from it or anything else like that. Mm. You know, I feel that if if the books are there and people are interested in the books, that's fine. But unfortunately, at this moment in time, they're, they're quite, kind of making kind of mediocre films. I find it really difficult because, obviously, the girlfriend loves these things. Um, 
uh, Hunger Games, um, Insurgent. There's just a few of them that she's watched. I mean, and they also kind of branch out as well. So it's not just that kind, not just the sci-fi stuff. So you also got fighting the star, fighting our stars, and all this. And I'm not really, I'm not really getting anything out of them um, at all. I think mm. I, they're not made for me. That I don't see any anything in them that I I really kind of cling to. But, you know, they seem to make money. I'm really surprised that the Maze Runner was as successful as it did to make money. I thought it was really going to kind of peter out there because it, it just didn't really have too much going for it, in my in my view. But, I'm, you know, I'm shocked that there's a sequel, but I just can't see myself, you know, making the trek to, to watch it. I, I'm not sure if I told you, the, um, you guys this before, but I've, I've, had, I've had a driving license for ages, but I don't drive. Um, so when I go to the cinema, I walk. I don't trust buses. And here's the thing. It's now getting to a point where if I'm going to go to the cinema, I'm walking. It's a good half an hour. Yeah. So you kind of want to make sure that what you're going to watch is something that you that you really want to watch. <laughs> that makes sense. That does make yeah. sense. Yeah. It, it's, it's, a, it's one for, for fans and completists, I think. One for, one's for the, the young adult crowd, but... I, I think if, unless you're a massive Maze Runner fan or you are really into this kind of movie, I would wait till it's on Netflix or Now TV or whatever, Amazon Prime. And then if you've got a spare afternoon, give it a whirl. So uh, Maze Runner, uh, The Scorch Trials will be um, running in cinemas <laughs> um, for uh, for a few weeks. Sorry, I shouldn't be doing those jokes. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, it'll be there for a few weeks, I dare say. And before we uh, before we finish, we're going to take a little look at um, an actor in the actor spotlight section, which uh, I've done director's corner on this um, podcast before a couple of times, but I'm now going to branch out and do actor ones because on the blog Black Hole Online, which uh, is our associated blog, we do uh, actor and actor spotlights and director's corners, written ones. But in this case, we're going to do an actor spotlight on Tom Hardy, given obviously legend this week and just have a little look at his career and his trajectory really because he's arguably become one of the biggest stars in Hollywood now he's he's proper A-list and it's interesting interesting to see where he's come over the last pretty much the last 15 years um because he's made some some interesting films that have got him to to where he is can either of you remember or do you know what his first movie was or his first breakthrough was no, and the worst thing is, I was looking up on his bio earlier, and I can't remember for the life of me. I think he, his first big part was in a Star Trek film, wasn't it? Or big-ish part? Mm. Well, that but... that was his that was his first that was his first major role as Shinzon, yeah. the Romulan I... clone thing. I'm not look, I'm not looking. So believe me when I say this. I I think I remember. Was it Black Hot Down? Yes. Well done. <laughs> Although he was credited as Thomas Hardy, which presumably he quickly dropped so he doesn't get linked to a dead novelist. But um, but yeah, you're absolutely right, Black Hawk Down. He had a, a part in that. But yeah, Kane, you're right. His first major role was Star Trek Nemesis. And it's interesting yeah. if you... On YouTube, there is footage of him and Patrick Stewart doing a scene in rehearsal. Yeah. And there are, there are moments in that rehearsal where he sounds exactly like Bane. Mm. And th- this is like 10 years before he was cast <laughs> as Bane. <laughs> But then he kept, he didn't really hit a big role then until Bronson, like about six years later. But he was in, he was in things. He was in things yeah. like Layer Cake and 
Sucker Punch. Sucker Punch. I didn't even remember he was in Sucker Punch, but he was. Doing what? He played a character called Rodders. I, I can't. I can't remember. I no. really can't remember. But I've tried to erase Sucker Punch from my memory, if I'm honest, because it was such a horrendous piece of shit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, and he was in Rock and Roller, so he's done a couple of Guy Ritchies. No, he's done one Guy Ritchie. Layer Cake with Matthew Vaughan, wasn't he? But then Bronson was the big one, I think, where he, people went, "Oh, yeah. this guy's interesting." You guys, have you guys seen Bronson? Yeah, I've seen it uh, recently as well. I've seen it again re- another time recently. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, I saw, yeah, saw Bronson recently. Not recently, recently, but oh, I think it was like the, f- the year it came out. Actually, so it's not that recently. That was 2010, 2009. So, yeah, I enjoyed it because mm, he, he that that was that was a performance that really made him stand out. I think, and then after that, the big one was the Inception, and every, pretty much everyone's seen Inception. Yeah. I think, yeah. realistically, um, but he was he was great in that because he had that element of charisma. He didn't take it too seriously, and I think a lot of people kind of went, "That's he's giving something interesting here." I mean, in terms of like as an actor, what, what do you guys think of him? Do you th- do you think he deserves the the sort of big status he has now because he's he's become he's become a really big star and one of these people who people speculate he's doing all kinds of things. Yeah, I think he's got a lot of a lot of presence. I think he works really well. You did say a bit in Legend. You did say a bit in the Legend review um, about that. Yeah, I, I, he is just... He's one of these actors that seems to just have... Uh, I can find myself gravitating towards mm. all the time. It's one, of the, one of the things I really like about him in Bronson is just how intense that performance is. Mm. And and the weight that he you know the weight that he puts on and where he puts it on it's a different kind of muscle that you see in other films where he in other films he's he's got this fantastic ability to shift his body for what the you know for what the um, performance entails. I mean, I think one film that I wasn't a, the biggest fan of, but I think he's quite good. He's not too bad in it. Is um, Lawless. Mm. and um, yeah. he's mumbling and kind of all over the place and he's got this kind of weird kind of um, stumbling walk and everything else like that. but he's generally quite it, all, no matter, engaging all the way no matter yeah. what performance he seems to be in he, he, he does kind of get the the best out of the roles no matter how big or small I mean this is a guy that you know Rock and Roller isn't the best Guy Ritchie film in the world but you know he kind of gives it a little bit of oomph in in there and and makes it kind of fun to watch because Lord knows it's not going to be Jared Butler he's he's got this really good thing he made for me I know lots of people moan about the the voice of Bane but I found that so creepy and one of the reasons why I really enjoyed his performance as Bane is he—he he was clearly reaching for something a little bit different. The idea that uh, the person that you know, your enemy, the villain of the piece, is cultured. Mm. We like to—we always like to make sure that the villains that we we watch are were better than them in some way. Uh, you know, we haven't got that civility, mm. but that's one of the reasons why, you know, Anthony Hopkins has got away with it so well with with Lecter and and everything else like that. When you have a, a character that has that civility about them and has that sort of no, no, nobility as well, because it's 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 a very clipped voice as well. It's you know very terrifying. The man across, you know, the maniac across the street, you'll 
you'll you'll know you'll see coming but the guy who who doesn't have that who who can sway a conversation yeah. that's the more interesting thing and that's one of the reasons why I think that even though um, the Dark Knight Rises really does boil down to a ticking time bomb again and that kind of trope the idea of how it gets infiltrated and and Bane's uh, idea of using hope mm. and ability to to break down people that's kind of a scary thing because it's that that thing that kind of keeps us human that that little that little thing about us and um Hardy really puts that forward yeah he does it, well, he, well i think especially with Bane i think you know coming after uh, uh the Joker and Heath Ledger in the Dark Knight I think he had a hard act to follow, but yeah, yeah, as a yeah. villain. But I think he rose to the occasion because Ben Ben was a great villain, wasn't he? He was. Yeah. He was. He was a uh, a mental match for Batman and a physical match as well. So it was a great role. It was a great. Yeah, definitely. I think I think that's what I like about about the guy is that he's got that that element of intelligence in the way he acts yeah. and that charisma, but he's also got that physicality. I mean, you saw that in Mad Max, and I think. You know, he the, the the commitment he put into into helping George Miller make that such a visceral, powerful sort of ride was the fact that he can he can do that stuff as well as then doing something like Locke, where he's he's in a car for ninety minutes having a breakdown. You know, yeah. and that's and that's where I think he can flip, and that's why I think he's he's got a lot of he's got range and depth, and he can he can do different he can do different things while still having that element of. He's one of those actors in that you he has his own sort of style almost. He's got his own sort of swagger to him. And I think that that's the sign I think of a of a genuine star, and a genuine movie star is that they've got they've got their own indefinable, you know, difference. He's got pump. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's he's a, he's a guy he's a guy who's got range and he's he's an interesting he's an interesting actor and I think it'll be interesting to see him next up in the Revenant, which is the yes. new um, Alejandro Gonzalez in our I can't never say he's you know what I mean yes um, yeah <laughs> the one next year with um, Leo yeah, yeah which again has been a real um, intense filming experience by the sound of it so that that will be interesting to see and you know if he's if he's going to be one of those if he keeps making films that, that people remember and stay in the public consciousness, you know, which which I suspect he will. Yeah, mm. I think he will. Um, cool, okay, well, that brings us um, to the the end of uh, of this episode. It's been it's been good. Thanks, guys, for uh, for coming on and uh, contributing. It's been a pleasure. Mm. Before we go, where can where can we find you both? Kane, you're um you're, you're on you're on Twitter and Facebook, aren't you? You've got your you've got your own blog, haven't you? Yeah, I've got my own blog. It's doing okay, I think. I'm not sure what the standards are. Oh, but, it, looks, it looks good uh, to me. <laughs> oh, well, thanks. Um, yeah, on Twitter, you can find me at The Watcher blog. It's at The Watcher, and then it's underscore blog. Cool. And, and then um, there should be links to my blog on there, because I think it's got a bit of a daft name for the actual blog. Um, That's a, yeah, you know, it's... Uh... It's a good name, and it, it's a, it's a good blog. So I recommend anyone give that a, give that a read. Kane put some good stuff up on there. So yeah, give it a try, guys. Is my is my recommendation. No, it's a pleasure. Les, how about you? Um, yeah, you can find me at afrofilmviewer dot com. Um, I should have some new reviews up shortly. Um, I'm also writing for the London Economic, and awesome. if I 
do get um, if I if I am able to get press accreditation for the London Film Festival, you might see more writings of myself there, um, and also on Twitter at AfroFilmViewer. Um, just you know, tweet and say hi. Definitely. That's exciting about London Film Festival. That's really cool. Uh, hey, hey. Well, the deadline's tomorrow at time of recording, so we'll see what happens if I can get the. Um, if we, if I can get past everything, uh, I yeah. think I made it. I made a bit, bit, bit of a hash of it. But if I can get past everything, we'll be all right, and I'll be there, and I'll see if I can uh, chat to old friends and see if I. I haven't even looked at the program yet because I need to see if I can get in. So yeah, yeah. Fingers crossed. Then that's that's awesome. That's brilliant. Les has also written for um, Black Hole Online, which is our blog. Um, which, as I keep saying, will soon be getting its own domain name and its own website properly. We've we've got a website, but. It needs a bit of a bit of work to it, so yeah, we know that's that's on the on the horizon, and um, obviously, you know, we get some really good writers on there and contributing contributing some good stuff. So give it a look, blackholeonline.wordpress.com right now, and the podcast itself, Black Hole Cinema, will soon be um, moving to new hosts. Um, we're in the middle of negotiating to move to Acast, which have been um, very very successful for our fellow podcasters like Foul Critics, who are increasingly great and increasingly big. So we're following their lead and we're going over to that and the transition will be happening um, in the next few months. So we'll be, um, you'll keep, we'll be keeping an eye. It won't, in, in broad strokes, the, 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 this whole thing won't change. You'll still download it in the same way and everything like that. Um, but we just won't be linked to Podomatic ultimately in the end. But uh, yeah, keep an eye out for that and keep, and keep an eye on Acast because they're a very good service. So just leaves me to thank Kane and Les. Thanks, guys. Thanks. And we will be back next week when Dan Taylor will be hosting with some brand new guests see you later guys and like that he's gone have you ever googled your own name prepare for a shock because your personal info including addresses and phone numbers is all out there it's all harvested by data brokers and sold legally Aura is a personal digital security service that scans the internet for your sensitive information and provides a full suite of privacy-enhancing tools. For a limited time, Aura is offering listeners a 14-day free trial at Aura.com safety. That's A-U-R-A dot safety to learn more and activate the 14-day trial period.